Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our flagship podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. After a super serious football-only episode last week, we're going to bring it up with another super serious football episode. Not because we want to take a shot at Matt Bruning, and certainly not because we want to take a shot at Felix Sharp. We would never do such a thing on this podcast, even though we've been accused But we had a really full slate of spring games this week, guys. I don't know. I I don't want to take it for for granted too much. But this is about the heaviest college football action this weekend, this past weekend, and next weekend that we're going to get until September. So uh, we've really been grinding, watching as many of these games as we can so we can give you guys some of the breakaways. And Colin, you even managed to get away from wedding planning to watch a couple of these. So so good, man. I know you went, you you know, you were at the the vendor at the, at the, the venue. You said, I got to go poop really bad. You Mm -hmm. ran to the bathroom and then you pulled your phone out and you sat on the toilet and you watched a condensed game on, uh, on YouTube for, for a bunch of these games. Yeah. I mean, the condensed games are usually like 20 to 30 ish minutes. So like, I really had to drag out that poop. Um, you know, I, I had to sell it, but yeah, no, it worked. I was able to watch one. We we don't usually do potty humor on the show, but I think we don't. I think it's a good um, descriptor of uh, of how Colin got away with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we're going to talk a couple games here. We have some special appearances from a few of our folks here at C two C, and of course, I, I think between our show, between chasing the natty, which I unfortunately didn't get to listen to before we recorded this uh, recording it Sunday night, uh, and Jared sent me uh, their episode about thirty minutes before we hopped on here, so couldn't squeeze that one in. Um, But between Chasing the Natty, our show, um, Matt's spring practice reports, um, back to Debbie, I I think we'll we'll cover most of the games this weekend in pretty good detail for you guys. So let's let's hop right in. Let's start talking about some of these games. And actually, Colin, I'm going to go totally off script here. Uh-oh. Let's talk Penn State first. You're a Penn State guy. Oh. I mean, you okay. you're you're a fan. I mean, you didn't go there and you know, you never would have gotten in anyway. And like, you know, they're all too cool for you. But that's offensive. My uncle was an archery professor there. So wait, really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Archery? It wasn't like an archery professor, but he like it was like one of the other things that he did, like taught. He was something maybe like outdoors, environmental, but he also taught archery there. This is the same uncle that owns the cabin that you guys get Evan goes to to hunt or no, no, different one, different one. He's a professor at Junietta. Yeah, you got a very well, outdoorsy family. Interesting. Okay. We do. Okay. We do. So yeah. So you would have gotten in just based on your family name. Okay. This yeah. Is uh Nepo baby, right here. <laughs> I've always said you're the ultimate <laughs> Nepo baby. <laughs> yeah. That that's face. how I actually got this. That's how I got this podcast, too. It's sort of true. I mean, <laughs> would we be doing this show if I didn't know your brother? I, I don't no. know. Probably I don't no. know. Probably yeah. not. Um, Penn State had their game this weekend. What was it? the final score? Was it 10 7? Yeah. Or 10 nothing? No, no, no. 10 nothing. 10 nothing. The final <laughs> score is 10 nothing. Yeah. I, I think a lot of the defensive take or the, a lot of the big t- takeaways from this game are actually on the defensive side of the ball. Yes. Um, yeah, but the defense looks like it's going to be good. We're not an IDP podcast. So if you want some Tony Rojas. That, Tony Rojas. Yes. That, that is literally the Tony only take Rojas, I have. He, Rojas. He sounded really good. Like Danny Rojas and Ted Lasso. I liked it. Okay, thank you. I liked it. Um, thank you. Go follow at Justice. What is it? Two three one eight or something like that yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. He has all the all all the good the good uh, musings on that. Uh, but offensively, Colin, it's supposed to be 
a offensive resurgence for the Nittany Lions. Do you agree with that assessment after watching this game on Saturday? And we should note that these games are not the end-all be-all. We're not forming entire opinions and writing them down in stone just based on th- these scrimmages. Uh, unless they confirm our priors. Then, then yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 then I'm a genius and you're an idiot. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, I think this offense is going to, once again, going to go as the quarterback goes. Um, Drew Alar looked, he had, he was up and down um, for sure, but he, you saw flashes of why everybody's so hyped about him. He made some really nice throws. Um, he threw for just over 200 yards. He had eight passes of over 15 yards, so he was challenging deep. Um, and I think this offense, the offensive line should be the best offensive line Penn state has had in a while. They, they have experience up front bringing, getting Olu Fashionu back uh, at left tackle was huge. Um, they have some nice recruits that they're coming in. So they have some depth as well. This is actually the first year in the last three years that Penn state has actually had a spring game because this year they finally had enough offensive linemen to actually run two teams. That's that's crazy that la- yeah, last yeah. year was of like a controlled situational, like it's yeah. third and 10. What do you do? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they did that um, two years ago as well, more or less the same thing, but the offensive line should be good. We know the run, like, so the running game in this one wasn't, they didn't really stand out. Um, they didn't really do that much. Uh, but we already know what Singleton and Allen are, you know, I, I'm not worried about them. We know what they are. That's, that's fine. Um, the receivers though, I was pleasantly surprised with, and we can get into Amari Evans. He was the leading receiver on the day, eight catch or five catches, 80 yards, hit the, hit a touchdown. He had the only touchdown and it came from Jarrell R. Um, he looked good. And Caden Saunders had some moments too, as well. Um, you know, so and Dante Cephas isn't on campus yet. We know what Dante Cephas is. I, I'm I'm pretty confident do we, in. Do we know what Dante Cephas is? I, I'm pretty confident he's gonna be the uh, at least the de facto wide receiver one uh, in okay. this offense. Okay. Um, I mean, it's we we've seen guys struggle to make that jump before, so that's yeah. just why I. They're gonna give him every opportunity to be the wide receiver one. I mean, he was the only they they went after a lot of wide receivers in the portal, and he was reportedly the only one that they said, "If you come here, you will be." our leading receiver. Um, so they're going to give him the opportunities. Now, whether he can seize that or not, hard to say, but Keandre Lambert Smith is fine. I think he's more of a complimentary piece. Harrison Wallace, Trey Wallace is fine. Um, you know, he, he had Wait, some he goes by Trey Wallace. Actually, yeah. Harrison, Harrison Wallace, the third. So he goes, I only, Trey. I only knew him as Harrison Wallace. Sometimes I call him Harry walls. <laughs> <laughs> not to his face. No, not obviously not to his face. I mean, I... Um, but anyway, so the wide receiver room I was worried about, but I with Evans and Saunders both like looking decent there, I think the wide receiver room is going to be better than expected. So all of that is to say the pieces are there on offense. It's really just going to come down to Drew Alar and the steps that he can take and the positions that Mike Yurchich puts him in whether he, I, I'm assuming you're, I think your is going to make things easy for him at least early on. Um, but I do expect them to, to challenge deep. I, I think that they're going to try to stretch defenses and force them to, to cover over the top. So that way, hopefully it opens up some, some of the running game as well. So I think this offense could be pretty good this year, but I'm also a Homer. So, you know, I, uh, that. my, my biggest takeaway from the game was that, 
they tried to interview Jurkic on the sideline. I think it was like in the second quarter and they were trying to interview <laughs> and he, did you see that? They were trying to like talk yeah. to him. He's like, I've got, I got stuff to do. And just like, he was having none of it. Yeah. Call yeah. the game. It just cracked me up. Cracked me up. Yeah. He was having I, none of that. I, I think Amari Evans is really the interesting guy. Cause I think yeah. everybody kind of knows who Caden Saunders is. He was a trendy top 10 guy in last year's class. He was not for us for the record. Right. Uh, I don't remember exactly where we had him, but it was not in the top 10. Uh, I think a lot of us were considerably lower on him mm-hmm. than consensus, a guy that kind of beat up on really poor competition in Ohio uh, and wasn't really very productive his last year and a half, two years in high school. So we we were not K- huge Caden Saunders truthers, but a guy that we did like as a big sleeper was Amari Evans. Mm-hmm. He was a wildcat quarterback kind of guy, played very little wide receiver down in Texas. A like I think he was like wide receiver 80 something in the composite or something like that wasn't super highly rated, but you could see some some glimpses from his high school stuff where when he had the ball in his hands and he was kind of, you know, just just running that he was just, you know, really elusive, understood how to get defenders off balance, how to win in the open field. You know, there were there were there weren't clubs of him winning at the catch point. So you kind of had to fill in the lines, but I think the raw tools have been there for a while. He was a guy, I, I went back and I found a tweet where I said, you know, I, I wouldn't take Amari Evans over Caden Saunders. That's really bad process, but it wouldn't shock me at all if he ends up being the better player because he, he's bigger. I think he's probably a better athlete, and I think he understands football a little bit better than Caden Saunders does, who just seemed kind of, you know, speedy and whatever else, but wasn't necessarily a great football player. So I'm really interested to see Omari Evans' development, and he – had a better year than Keaton Saunders last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had so, a touch. He caught a touchdown last yeah. year. Caught a couple passes. Got involved in the kick return game a little bit. Yeah, he he can do a little bit of everything. So I think he's really intriguing. You know, this isn't a guy that you're taking super early in drafts. I, I wouldn't say if I'm doing a startup, I would take him necessarily before round twenty five thirty. And if he's available in a supplemental draft, I'm certainly not taking him before round ten or so. But I think he's a really interesting guy for kind of a stash. Wait and see. And if I told you at the end of the year, Colin, that he ended up leading Penn State in receiving, like I don't know that that's the most shocking thing I've ever heard in my life. I, I think it would be a little surprising that he outproduced yeah. Cephas, but the rest of that wide receiver room is not that strong. I think it's a bunch of guys that are okay for college, and they're okay mm-hmm. for building up a deep wide receiver room, but there's no stars there. And even Cephas, right. I don't think, is really a star. So. No. Evans, I think, is just a really intriguing guy with with upside and, and okay size and and pretty good athleticism. That I think just needs to be on radars and needs to be paid attention to. And and, and um, you know, you could be a guy you're cutting in November. But I, I would I be like surprised. I, I would be surprised if you ended up cutting him. I think he's the type of guy that you should have on your roster. I think he's going to be the wide receiver four on this team. Keandre Lambert Smith has. A, fit, a decent injury history here you know yeah, so he does he's skinny i mean yeah he, he struggled to stay healthy i could very easily see amari evans slotting into three wide receiver sets if some if something were to happen to keandre Landwood smith uh especially given the connection that he has with alar i mean he just uh, he and alar are just alar always looks for him um he looked for him in in a couple games that they got in last season uh he, he was looking for him all day in this one um, let's head over to USC. This was a spring game that I think is hard to get a ton from because the offensive line had some guys out and was generally not particularly good in this game. And 
Caleb Williams barely played, so you're kind of looking at some of the, the guys in the periphery. We don't really know what the running back situation is going to be like. You know, we're, we're interested to see how the wide receivers shake out. I don't know we had any of those questions answered, but we did get a glimpse of Malachi Nelson for the first time. And I, I think the, the common theme we're going to talk about here is really all of the freshman quarterbacks, high-end freshman quarterbacks that played this weekend struggled. Even yeah. you're going to see that clip of Nico. I am a... Yamalieva. Oh, I was on the right track. Yamalieva. Nico Yamalieva. I also Tennessee. am not 100% sure I'm right. I just say it with a lot of confidence. Well, I have no confidence. My confidence has been shattered. So <laughs> You got Thank the yips. You. I do. I, I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Um, all of them outside of that one Nico throw that you're going to see where he was rolling right on Twitter uh, struggled from a down to down basis in this weekend and their spring games. Malachi was no different. There was a lot of pressure. Uh, I don't know that it was necessarily the best setting to see a ton out of him, but he did make some decent throws um, overall. He looked better than Miller Moss. Yeah. I know we've had some folks out there that have said, you know, is Malachi really the number two there? Is he the true successor? I think just based on what we saw this weekend, he is, it's, it's really not a matter of, yeah, it's a matter of when. I think Moss will operate as the QB2 this year, just given his experience. But yeah, he's not it. Here's the thing. If something were to happen to Caleb Williams tomorrow, Miller Moss probably starts week one. If something happens to Caleb, or to Caleb Williams week seven, I think it's Malachi Nelson. I think it's just a matter of getting Malachi continue to adjust to the college. Yeah. Moss well, and, didn't really and, look very good. Yeah, and, and Nelson had off-season shoulder surgery too on his opposite – Non-throwing. Yes, yes. It was in like December, I think. Um, so he hasn't really been working out that much. He hasn't had that much spring practice here. Yeah, he did have a couple of nice throws, and he had one that was a really nice uh, fade. And it, So the first throw that I saw when I turned it on, I, I might have missed a couple of throws before this, but it was basically like a five-step, three, five-step drop, pressure in his face, and he throws this like – 20 yard opposite field to the sideline throw back shoulder to the wide receiver like perfect and the wide receiver just was not quite expecting it to be that good and he <laughs> dropped it and then he had another nice one that was just a nice fade to the back of the end zone that i think was to dorian singer and singer dropped it so like he he, he there were throws there that were encouraging but overall it wasn't a stellar day for him by any stretch but you saw the glimpses there and that's pretty much what you expect to see out of a freshman quarterback in this game. I think the running backs were really, really interesting. We talked about we're not the highest on Amari and Peterson or Quentin Joyner, but both of them had their moments in this game. I don't have the stats uh, in front of me, but, but Joyner specifically had a couple of really nice runs, including like a 28 ish yard touchdown run right up the middle. Um, that, that was pretty impressive. And Marshawn Lloyd actually looked good as well. So this this backfield actually might have gone from a point of weakness to actually a point of strength. I'm not sure how good I feel about any of them dominating touches. Like this might be a true committee, and I think it could be a dangerous committee, but it might hamper us for fantasy purposes this year. Yeah, I am a little bit worried about that with the the Marshawn Lloyd hype train um, because Joiner. I, I do actually I do have the stats pulled up here. I took a screenshot of it earlier, um, but. He had 92 Joiner had 92 yards and a touchdown. Um, and then Peterson 41 and a touchdown. And then they just kind of handed off a little like, they didn't give it to a ton of other people. Um, Jones had one carry, Barlow had two. Um, 
Lloyd, I actually didn't see any carries. I don't know yeah. if he had any carries, but he had that really he had nice catch. That catch where he shook like yeah. four dudes on the sideline. It was pretty yeah. nasty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I am a little bit worried that nobody really stands out in that room uh, and that we see just a frustrating, a kind of frustrating committee. I, you know, I'm, I'm backing off of my, for right now, for my thought that Marshawn Lloyd could just, could kind of be Travis Dye esque for fantasy purposes. Yeah, could from be. that offense could for be. last year. Yeah, it, it's going to be tough to read. So I think that's just going to be something to monitor overall and see where they all fit in. But I don't have a good read on that situation today. I don't think, I don't think anyone really does. So uh, one will be watching through the fall. Uh, the wide receivers, Zachariah Branch had a pretty productive day in terms of volume. He did have a really bad drop at one point, but I mean, uh, calling like eight catches for ninety-four yards. That, that's that's not a bad day for the true freshman there. Yeah, he led the receivers by a lot. Uh, the next closest receptions was four from Relique Brown and then three from Mario Williams. Um, so he, Singer wasn't on there because Singer got targeted a decent amount. Singer has two, had two, two for 31. Okay. But yeah, I mean, he he had the most targets, most yards, uh, which I think is a really, really encouraging sign. And I was I wasn't low on Zachariah Branch. He was my wide receiver three, but I don't know. Maybe that was a little too low, honestly, because um, he's there's been so much good buzz about him this spring, and then to show out in the spring game and lead the receivers by a pretty comfortable margin. Is I, I still wouldn't take him over Jonte Cook, and we're going to kick it over to a familiar face here in a second to talk Texas, um, but Jonte was pretty good in that game, and I still think Jonte's a better football player, but Branch, you know, being top three, I, I I have no regrets about where I had Branch at this point. I think he's going to be a staple there for the next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think so, too. And honestly, the rest of this wide receiver room wasn't overly impressive. Like you said, there were some drops and nobody's really stood out. I think they have some really solid pieces, but I don't think they have a star. You know, similarly to the Penn State room we were just talking about. So we could see Zachariah Branch kind of step into that that role yeah we we easily could um wouldn't surprise me at all let's go over to texas here like i promised um matt bruning the resident queen ewers stan he also loves pretty much everybody else on that offense got a good look at that texas offense so uh matt take it away let us know what we need to know about what happened with the longhorns all right, so the Texas spring game, one Quinn Ewers has seemed to have locked up the job. If it actually was a battle, it is no longer that, as Steve Sarkeesian has come out afterwards after a fairly good game and said it's pretty obvious that Quinn is our guy. He had a nice deep pass to Xavier Worthy that was floating all over Twitter. In my opinion, the even better throw was the one across the middle to A.D. Mitchell, who made a one-handed grab. That was about the best we saw out of A.D. Mitchell, but it was an impressive play. We also didn't really see much out of Xavier Worthy outside of that. Jordan Whittington did look a, a little bit one, um, but Isaiah Nayor was a guy we unfortunately did not get to see as he was coming back from the sticking at the quarterback position. Malik Murphy had a big day. Everybody was buzzing about Jonte Cook, but it was actually the Malik Worthy pass that got to Jonte Cook for his big play on that one. And it seems like he has locked up the number two spot here for Texas. 
specifically because, unfortunately, it really looked like Arch Manning struggled. You can go onto Twitter, TikTok, everywhere, and you can find all of Arch Manning's plays. In my opinion, he played better than what the the plays show. Um, there are some really bad plays in there, but he is a true freshman, and I think a lot of people were overestimating what he was going to be able to do in this spring game, but it does look like he is, at least if Malik Murphy does not leave, locked into the third spot here in the battle. Did have some pretty good throws, uh, but was just off on some of them. The, the really standouts to me, though, were the running backs and Jadon Blue, who had a very nice run in this game, about a 30 yard touchdown run, including one where he literally stopped and juked multiple defenders before then running back into the end zone. It was a very beautiful play. And Savion Williams, converted wide receiver from last year, also had a really good day, really showing some decent burst and vision behind the line of scrimmage. Now, again, it is a spring game, so take that for what it is. Jonathan Brooks did not play, at least that I saw in this game. So it really came down to those two being able to show what they were able to do. And I thought both of them balled out fairly well. Six standouts, Quinn Ewers had a good day. And then the running backs, real, re realistically, in Jadon Blue and, and uh, at least two that uh, stood out there on the offensive skill set. All right. Thanks, Matt. Unbiased, as always, with our guy, Quinn. Um, some 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 notes there, Colin, and I, I don't just want to give him the two-minute pass over here. Um, Malik Murphy, probably the QB2 there. I think that's – I don't know if that's a long-standing thing, but I think it's at least something to monitor, that backup QB situation. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, Malik Murphy looked good, um, especially that deep pass to, to Jonte Cook. Um, and that was that was something I really liked in Murphy's game coming out uh, was his deep ball. I thought he was a really good deep ball passer. So not necessarily surprising to see him looking good throwing deep balls again to especially a receiver as talented as Cook. But I feel like Malik Murphy needs to leave. Oh yeah, and I don't oh, yeah. think I don't think he will. I think he is going to drink the Sark Kool Aid there, uh, and go, th go into next year thinking he's got a shot to compete with Arch. And I don't know, maybe he does because Arch didn't look great today. You know, he's a true freshman, so you know, whatever. But I would be very surprised if the Texas boosters and even the Mannings um, didn't. I don't want to say force Sark's hand, but didn't didn't get very loud if Arch doesn't start. Um, so I don't know how, realistically how much of a chance Murphy has to start even next year. So I think he should leave, but I don't know if he will. But we talked about the theme of I, you can't call them disappointing. You can't really call them underperforming. Just not strong performances from the true freshman guys the the high-end guys manning didn't have a great game but it wasn't awful either um i've already dunked on a couple of analysts who who have been crapping on him i just don't get the hate i thought he was fine um it, it's tough to to go from from high school to college and the negatives on arch manning played in a weak call a high school division against a, a lower quality opponent, certainly not helping him on day one in a spring game. So no. I'm not panicking at all if I'm an Arch Manning holder already at this no. point. No, I wouldn't either. I mean, I think um, he it was going to be a bit of a step up, but I don't think, like you said, he wasn't as bad as what everybody said. And 
I think that he will get there. Um, I'm I'm not overly concerned with him. I think he was a I think he was a safe prospect. Uh, he doesn't. I don't think he has the ceiling that a couple of these other guys do, like a Malachi Nelson, like a Nico even. Um, but I think he's a pretty safe prospect. N- Nico's floor is like selling furniture in four years. So, like in <laughs> fairness, like the the floors are just totally different. Ne- the the ceilings are totally different. It's really hard to compare some of those guys. Is why we had Arch as our QB three in our freshman rankings this year, and we had Nico as our QB five, I believe, overall. Um, so not, not a big difference, but they, they both kind of struggled on the day. I want to go to Georgia real Oh, go ahead. I was, it was kind of a tear break for me, honestly, after three, but then Jackson Arnold, I, I I could understand putting Jackson Arnold in that tier with the other three, but I don't think I can personally, but I get, yeah. So whatever, um, Georgia. Tough to take away a lot. The running game, everybody was out. But I think th- there were a couple notes. Lawson Lucky was really productive in this one, or at least you know more productive than a lot of their other receiving targets. The, the true freshman tight end there, I think he's been a name to monitor. He got a lot of buzz through practice and seemed to carry that over into the game, which I think is very important for a lot of these guys. Roderick Robinson is a very, 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 very big boy. Yes. And... Didn't quite get unleashed in this one, but I also would challenge any running back to get unleashed against this Georgia defense. So even without the guys that are they're losing and, and Barry Alexander, who entered the portal right before this game, still a potent bunch. So it's a tough day for, for him, but he looked okay. Um, they got some other guys involved. You know, Arian Smith was a little involved. I saw Oscar Delp got some run, but didn't do a ton. Um, Jackson Meeks actually had a decent touchdown flash, uh, you know, flash from the past there. So I, I don't know if we really know what this wide receiver room is really going to look like. I think this is another year where if you have some Georgia wide receivers, you're probably just hoping for some Debbie upside and you're not really going to bank at least on this stage of starting them week in, week out. Yeah. I, um, I, I didn't really watch this one. I, I just did some, I looked at some reading, some articles and stuff and the first team offense, the wide receivers were pretty interesting. Um, love it, McConkey, and then they list them alphabetically here. Actually, so I'll read them off alphabetically: um, Dylan Bell, Braxton Hicks, Dominic Lovett, Lad McConkey, Marcus Rosemi, Arian Smith, C.J. Smith. Uh, I thought it was kind of interesting, though, that uh, Dylan Bell was in that group. Uh, I didn't, again, I didn't see if he did anything. I haven't heard anything about him. Just thought it was interesting to note that he was with that first team group. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's really, really interesting how they do their spring games, and they're a tough one to draw too much from. One thing that we do know, they're bringing in a new quarterback for this year. Carson Beck looks to be the guy that has sewn up that job. Felix here had some pretty strong thoughts on him. We've had some debate in our NIL chat over at the Discord already, so I'm going to toss this over to Felix to give us his impression of Carson Beck on the day, the new supposed Bulldog quarterback. My approach to players has always been from a perspective of value. If you've been following, you know, my content for any length of time, Ramondre Stevenson, Jamison Williams, um, Anthony Richardson, Mayan Williams, any of Zach Wilson, any of these number of players, it's always been from a perspective of value. Anybody can tell you to draft B. John Robinson, who was the number one rated running back in his class. Anyone can tell you to draft, you know, Nicholas Singleton or Zachariah Branch. But 
you know, especially in C2Cs, we're developing a pipeline and that requires doing a little bit of digging. Carson Beck was but a four-star prospect in the 2020 class, same class as Brock Vandergriff where he was a five-star. Um, and you watch the spring game, and this is a guy who is a pure drop-back passer. The ball is coming out of his hand on time. The ball is spinning really well out of his hand. I know that, that that's anecdotal, but there's a way that C.J. Stroud's ball comes out. It's a very tight spiral. Um, Carson Beck the same way. And he was being asked to make all of these kinds of throws to every quadrant of the field from the pocket, and he was uh, – reading the coverage and delivering downfield. This is a Georgia team. You look at their schedule. Their schedule is horrible. So we're talking about a quarterback who's going to lead a number one Georgia team throughout the uh, throughout the entire season. They're going to have positive game scripts the, 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 throughout the entire season. Again, he's a four-star prospect. They've got weapons on that Georgia team, whether it be Dominic Lovett or Brock Vandegrift, not Brock Vandegrift, or uh, – uh, Brock Bowers, or whatever tight end you want to love there in Georgia. Lawson Lucky is there now, um, and I'm a, a fan of Dominic Lovitz. This is a team that's going to be in positive grain scripts. They're going to be on national television. He's going to see, like, I don't a, – a four-star quarterback on a national championship team is probably going to have some NFL draft prospects. Now, he can be there for this year and next season. Why wouldn't? Carson Beck have an excellent season. I mean, if you look at him from a recruiting uh, perspective, much better prospect than Stetson Bennett. And he, uh, the balls that he was completing at the spring game, not only were, were that he's was he completing them, but they, they were the type of passes that you know his receivers did not have to break stride. They were able to catch the ball and run up field. He was it, there was a ball placement perfection in that game that's what i saw from it so i don't know what he's ranked right now in our, amongst our rankings i bet he's i bet you i'm the highest on him i have him at at 20 but i bet you he's probably not in the top 50 for most i think he's a known commodity meaning we know what the talent is going to be around him we know what the game skip is going to be we know his pedigree as a recruit it just makes sense that, oh, yeah, Carson Beck, duh, of course. That makes sense. We're going to look back in December and say, of course. We thought it was Kyle McCord. No, it's Carson Beck who's going to be on the best team in the country. Did he elevate himself from an NFL draft perspective? I think so. And the value right now is there for him. Not going to be a very long time because I'm probably now that I'm recording this, I'll probably just start talking about him and the fact that he is undervalued. But Carson Beck is undervalued, and you should be going to acquire him because I threw this out in the NIL chat. I said, What would it take to acquire Carson Beck? A fifth round pick? Everyone thought that was a fifth round supplemental pick. No, that everyone thought, Oh, that's too much for Car. Okay, the great, then trade something less than that to get Carson Beck on your team, if he's easy, even rostered. All right, Felix and I have already debated this a little bit in the NIL chat, Colin, but let's get out in front of it here. He's an intriguing guy. I mean, the quarterback at Georgia. We're talking about Stetson Bennett's probably going to be in the NFL here this year, so it's not a total train wreck for a quarterback there. 
but but let, let, let's 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 talk about just kind of the context here in the chat felix had said he would probably trade a fifth round supplemental pick for carson beck my point was that i think you can not only find probably a a, a higher value debbie guy or cff guy if you really want to take that route in the fifth round but if you talk about Stetson Bennett, he was a guy that you could not trust week in, week out last year, just in terms of fantasy production. And he doesn't have real NFL potential. It's a really tough ask for me to trade anything significant or invest anything significant in a guy like Carson Beck. What do you think about this quarterback situation at Georgia? I agree with you. I wouldn't go with a fifth round supplemental for him, but maybe like an eighth. I think that's probably where I would look at him. Um, there's a number of uh, a freshman quarterback, honestly, that I would rather over Beck. Um, I think even Gunnar Stockton offers a higher ceiling than Beck. Uh, lower floor, obviously, Beck, especially if Beck beats him out here. But I think Beck is at least interesting. Um, now, the offense there this year is definitely going to be different. Um, you know, so we do have to take that into consideration. It's, it's the new offensive coordinator, um, Mike Bobo, you know, we don't know exactly what that's, I, I mean, we kind of know what his offense oh, we, looks like. We know the Bobo. We, we know what his offense typically looks like, but so I, I, I don't particularly, I'm not particularly fond of Beck for CFF purposes, but what I will say is when they released the Heisman trophy odds, um, back, on December 3rd, or yeah, it was on December 3rd. I placed a bet. Uh, or was it? Yeah, it's a it's, bet slip says December 3rd. I placed a bet, put one dollar on Carson Beck at plus 10,000. Wow, win, don't win spend all your money on this call. I'm gonna tell him Becca that you know, the yeah. wedding can't go forward because you put all your money on these trivial bets. Yeah, but I point being, I think that you know, Georgia's gonna be good. And if Carson Beck can distribute the ball to some of these playmakers like Brock Bowers, like Oscar Delp, Loxon Lucky, some of these receivers they have are, are, you know, have some talent. If he can distribute the ball, I don't know. There's there's worse options out there. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I just don't see a guy that I like if you're we've talked a little bit about the concept of, of min maxing your roster where, you know, either every guy is either somebody that's contributing now or has huge Debbie upside later. Obviously, you can't have a bunch of guys that are going to go in the first round of the NFL draft, but you're trying to maximize, squeeze out as much Debbie value as you can with what's on the board. I don't know how he fits into that kind of roster at all. He just seems like a roster clogger to me personally. But Actually, it says De December 3rd, 2023, so that means that's when the ceremony is. So <laughs> the bet was placed on, on January 6th. So On what? January 6th. January 6th. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. That was when I placed the bet. You you probably, I, I can't believe you just embarrassed yourself weekly on this show, willingly. I do. Yeah, that's all right. That's Colin's kink. All right. It is. Let's talk Ohio State. And I'm shocked that I didn't have Bruning here for that, but we would have gotten 12 minutes and we wouldn't have been able to shut him up. So Right. I mean, the Texas bit went on long enough. Yeah, it was bad. So the two, the, the two of us will talk Ohio State. Um, kind of a disappointing day on offense overall. Kyle McCord struggled early, ended up getting it together a little bit later. Um, completed just over 50% of his passes, uh, looked okay. Had a long touchdown to Carnell Tate, who looked very, very good. Probably the best receiver that played on the day. 
Marvin Harrison played a couple snaps, but we'll exclude him. Other than that, uh, I think Tate was probably the best guy in the field for them. Best linebacker was Diamante Trianum calling back from the best, dead. Best running wow. back. Sorry, what did I say? You said linebacker. Whoa. My bad. Used to be a linebacker. Used to be a linebacker. Not yeah. anymore. Trianum Chip was, yeah. for anybody that is a new listener to the show, a huge favorite of mine. Yeah. Coming out of high school, went to Arizona State initially, was a athlete coming out of high school. He was so athletic. He played linebacker in high school in a pretty good area in Ohio that when they were playing tough for competition, they would just move him out to corner and have him guard one-on-one wide receivers, like FBS wide receivers, and he did it fine at six foot 230. The guy is a crazy athlete. Went to Arizona State. Played pretty well as a freshman. We thought that was the next step for him. He was significantly better than Daniel Ngata, who went there with him. Then Rashad White took that job. He transferred back to Ohio State, closer to home. Switched back to linebacker. We thought that was the end. I I know there was no Trevion Henderson. I know there was no Mayan Williams. I know there was no Evan Pryor. So I'm not I'm not saying that he's the starter, that he's going to be a meaningful major contributor for them this year. But I just think. I, I don't know what was going on the past year, 18 months, but I, I think he's been grossly underused at this point in his career. 100% agree. I mean, like you said, he's an absolute freak show of an athlete. Um, so I, I was listening to a, the, the Bucknuts podcast where they were talking about this post-spring game, uh, and they said that last year they interviewed like Tommy Eichenberg and some of the other linebackers. And they asked them who the strongest guy in the room was. They all said Chip Trainum. Then they asked them who the fastest guy in the room was, and they all said Chip Trainum. So he was the big, the strongest and fastest guy in that linebacker room. And now he's over playing running back. Which, when Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams got hurt last year, I don't know if you remember, I wildly speculated that they should move him back to running back, and then they did for a little bit. He got a couple couple carries in there and stuff but many are saying that colin is actually the brainchild behind the ohio state offense many are saying yeah they are they should (laughs) um yeah i mean if i was the brainchild i would be giving him carries because he had a 65 yard touchdown run in this one he looked good i mean he looked fine catching the ball at times at ohio at arizona state as well like give this dude a shot like i think I think this guy could be an NFL running back if they give him carries and they actually let him do it. I, I do too. I th- I think he's an NFL quality back. Yeah. I straight up. I think uh, my worry for him is that once Mayan and Travion come back, that he kind of just gets lost in the shuttle because they have Dallin yeah. Hayden too. Don't mm-hmm. don't forget they they have him. Yeah. And they I like have Hayden. Like they they have four very competent, very good backs. I think competence probably too. Yeah understated yeah yeah there's actually there's one team out there where i still have chip train them on my roster it's idp but i still I got him. I, I think i cut him in my idp leagues i was like i just can't have this guy taking up a linebacker spot like it's i hung on i huh? hung on i had now faith. you're rewarded maybe yeah <laughs> maybe yeah interesting player overall do you have any thoughts on mccord or tate as kind of you know the, their performances on the day yeah, from what I heard, McCord, like you said, struggled early. Um, this setting, they said, 
uh, was set up to favor the defense. So it's not necessarily a surprise that the defense looked good. Um, but I, it doesn't sound like Kyle McCord is running away with this job at all. So I think it is truly going to be an open competition when it gets into fall as well, where it'll be McCord and Brown. Um, Brown obviously didn't play in this one. He had a finger injury uh, that kept him out. So nothing like major or anything, but when fall breaks, it'll be really interesting to see the McCord and Brown saga. But one of those QBs is going to get stuck this year because the transfer window opens soon. And if one of them's not gone, they're stuck. So it'll be really interesting to follow that battle and through spring as well. Um, for Tate, I mean, yeah, he's been getting buzz all spring and we had him as the wide. Uh, most of us had him like as a top 10 wide receiver. I think I had him at like six or seven and it looks like maybe that was too low. He's looking really good. He was getting run with the ones. Noah Rogers has been having an impressive spring too. one of their other true freshman wide receivers at Ohio state, but he was running with the twos. So yeah, Noah Rogers looked good too, but Tate's the guy who's actually getting the run with the ones with Egbuka and Fleming and Xavier Johnson out. And then obviously Brandon in is not on campus yet, but I mean, he's making it hard for them to take him off the field. Let's head over to Tennessee. Colin, you watched a little more of this game than I did. I saw Cam Selden had a pretty nice run uh, for a touchdown, a guy that we've we we we've 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 laid all of the cards on the table for Cam Selden. You know, we yeah. a positionless guy in high school that we said we think profiles best as a running back, and that's where we project him. Showed up on Tennessee's campus as an early enrollee in January or late December. And they put him at wide receiver initially, which really worried us. And so we, we, we actually have to switch that over. Um, you're the guy who does the ranking. So chop yeah, that'll be, that'll be switched over by the time people are listening to this. We had him at wide receiver rankings on the website. And now we've got to switch him over to running back. He'll be considerably higher just because of like his yeah. athletic comps for us are like Bo Jackson. Yeah. And Adrian Peterson. And <laughs> Herschel <laughs> Walker. Like he, yeah. these are the kind of athletic comps that this guy has. He's six foot. He's almost 220. He runs as fast, if not faster, than anybody at the running back position in the past couple classes. Like he makes Nick Singleton look mortal, I think, yeah. as an athlete. This guy is just an absolute freak show. Doesn't necessarily, I don't want to say doesn't know how to play football, but he's definitely raw in that regard. But I think seeing him at running back and seeing him perform well this weekend was was good for us and kind of reassuring that in a year or so he can probably get that job if he wants it yeah uh he was he worked with the second team um but he looked good he caught passes he was heavily involved early like i think the i don't remember if it was the first four or five touches for that second team offense all went to cam selden like he was involved early uh the whole time he looked good and the announcers remarked too that like he in high school, he was pretty unrefined because in high school, small level of competition in Virginia, he was just by far the best athlete on the field, like not even remotely close. So he didn't necessarily need all this refined skills. So if he can refine his skills as a running back, Cam Selden has has a high ceiling. Um, I, I I like Cam Selden. I love that they were using him at running back in this one. So I, you know, it's. It's wheels up for him 
for me. Quarterbacks didn't look great, either of them, really. Joe Milton um, ha- had some iffy passes, as did, as did Nico. You're, again, you're mm-hmm. going to see that great pass with him rolling right, but overall it was a really okay showing yeah. f- from him, really, on the day. Yeah, same thing with Joe Milton. I think Joe Milton went like six for nine for 54 yards or something like that. Like He also took some bad sacks in this game, too, like, I just don't think Joe Milton processes the game well. And you can cover that up in Tennessee's offense, and he might be fine this year for CFF purposes. He might even be good for CFF purposes. But I just don't see a Debbie quarterback there. Like I say, I think he just processes the game really slowly. He takes bad, he took bad sacks. He did use his legs a little bit in this one, which was you know nice to see. But... Um, I, my big takeaway from this, and I I don't, the, the over, like the, um, win total lines haven't been released yet, at least not from what I've seen. Um, but I'm probably going to be taking the under on Tennessee's. Any other thoughts on Tennessee for the day, Colin? I know Caleb Webb kind of had himself a bit of a day, but I don't think he's expected to do much. They were missing most of their top wide receivers, and they were missing a lot of their top running backs too. So Deshaun Bishop had a little bit of a day, but whatever. It was just a name to pay attention to, I guess. Yeah, that was a name that I wasn't even remotely aware of. He's like the RB80 or 89 in the class or something like that. So I didn't get that deep, so I wasn't even aware of him. But he's a true freshman, you know, and he was working with the ones in this one. So it's at least a name to, to log into the back of your mind. Um, but, you know, for when he inevitably transfers somewhere else because Cam Seldon took the job. Let's head over real quick to Ole Miss, Colin. I didn't get to watch this game, but you did. So mm-hmm. here's the deal. I'm going to give you the keys to this thing. Oh, but, oh buddy. Don't wreck it. Okay. And there's there's some breaking news as we're sitting here talking about this. Um, Russell Wilson drove a, a a golf cart into a bunker yesterday on the golf course when he was so out. He so, so don't do that. Okay. Be better than Russ. Okay. We're gonna let you cook. Go ahead. Um. So anybody who knows me and has listened to me talk knows that I am a Jackson Dart stan. I like Jackson Dart. I'm not gonna overhype him in this one. He looked fine. He didn't look great. Didn't look bad by any means. Uh, 18 for 37, 302 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, he looked he looked fine. But they, the announcers and Lane Kiffin, they said he looks like a completely different quarterback than last year. They said he has better footwork. Um, and Lane Kiffin said he's really excited about Dart's improvement in his development. Dart ran with the ones exclusively. Spencer Sanders ran exclusively with the twos. Sanders started rough. They settled in a little bit, but the passing still wasn't great overall. 19 of 27, 265 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Um, He just, he looked like a guy coming back from injury and that's fine. Um, He did look mobile. You know, he moved around a lot. He, He picked up some nice yards with his legs. Now they take it for what you want because you can't hit them. So maybe they get a couple extra yards out of each carry. So, I mean, but Spencer Sanders is a mobile quarterback. Um, he was working exclusively with the twos Walker Howard ran with the ones after dart. Um, it was kind of like two 
to three series for Dart for every one of Walker Howard with the ones. Uh, but Walker Howard looks solid, uh, especially moving around. He both of his uh, two of his three touchdowns came on rollouts. It was essentially more or less the same play, but he's rolling out to the right and then found a guy on a corner route in the corner of the end zone. Um, so he looked pretty solid. He went 11 of 13 for 184 yards and three touchdowns. Ran five times for 60 for 29 yards and another touchdown. So Walker Howard might not be as left for dead as uh, maybe we made him out to be. Now, I don't think he starts this year. And So is he rosterable then in that case? Not at this point, but it does seem like he's going to be the next guy up for, for Ole Miss. Okay. Um, which I think will be intriguing as we get towards the end of this year or supplemental drafts next year. Um, but just a couple other quick notes on this one. The running backs were pretty heavily involved in the passing game. Judkins had four catches for 44 yards, and he wasn't used a ton in this had one. Had a receiving was... touchdown too. Yes, yes, he did. Um, but yeah, so the, the running backs were pretty heavily involved in the passing game this year. So that could be really nice for Judkins. Um, and not that we were worried about Judkins anyway. Uh, Michael Trigg with another monster spring game. Nine catches, 138 yards, and a touchdown. And he was working with the twos. But, I mean, you're just... If he can ever take what he does in spring and put it in the regular season, he'll be a monster. Um, so I'm not I'm not totally out on Michael Trigg anymore. I'm He's, he's going to be the new Eric Gilbert, where we are out and then we're back in. And then we're out and now maybe back in. Um, Whisper that a little more. Why don't you? <laughs> and then just in the wide receiver room, Jordan Watkins was really heavily involved. He went eight for 149 and a touchdown. He had some jet sweeps. They used him in a variety of different ways. Uh, so it seems like he might be the number one there, or at least like the, wide receiver that they scheme touches to uh, and he was a transfer from louisville so he was there last year didn't really do much now maybe he's stepping up this year and then chris marshall transferred from texas a&m he got run with the ones he went four for 89 he had a couple of nice moments but good to just kind of see him running with the ones all right thank you colin for the update there we do have a lot of games to cover, and quite frankly, the two of us just can't do it all. But we do have one person here at C2C who is such a degenerate that he is willing to dig into the stuff that none of the rest of us are. That's Chris Moxley. So we're going to kick it over to Chris here. Chris, tell us what we need to know about some of the games that maybe aren't at the forefront of our radars, but we should be paying attention to, especially for CFF purposes. What's going on, guys? I had a chance over the weekend to check in on a bunch of small school spring games and we have a ton of content to give you let's start off with boston college ryan o'keefe is going to be the guy wide receiver one going to step immediately into that zay flowers role i'm really excited for what we can see out of him the offensive line is probably still going to be bad so not really interested in that offense as a whole outside of o'keefe over to indiana a lot of hype about taven jackson last year but it was actually brendan soresby who took the first team snap so i am backing off of Jackson at least a little bit, but a player that I am in on in this offense is Jalen Lucas. He's a Paul Horning candidate, in my opinion. He might be worth that late dart throw in the rounds 40 to 50, 
40 to 45 at the end of your drafts. He's a wide receiver running back hybrid was really efficient last year running the ball. Real interesting player to keep an eye on. It can't it sounds like wide receiver cam camper is still hurt and recovering. He should be ready by fall. The best news of the day, in my opinion, was out of Ohio. Actually, Curtis Rourke, the quarterback who tore his ACL late in the season, was in pads, but unfortunately did not play. In my opinion, even dressing up for this game was a huge win, considering he's only five months removed from that ACL surgery. South Alabama, Devin Watson, Watson was given the number five jersey, which, if you don't know, is uh, for a player who was killed uh, about a decade ago. It's a really big deal with inside the program. He is going to be... I think a monster this year for your CFF drafts, not sure NFL upside, but definitely a producer that I want on the, the collegiate side of the, of your camps Canton league Cincinnati. I think the biggest thing out of there was that true freshman, Barry Jackson, not a player that was on really anyone's radar had a monster game. They have been talking him up all week, all spring. And he, it looked like he had a, he backed it up in his spring game performance. We don't have an answer on the quarterback here, but I can tell you that it's not going to be Evan Prater is either Ben Bryant or Emory Jones. Uh, Corey Kiner was also good on the day as well, but nothing to really take home from there. Uh, Liberty, I think, is another interesting uh, takeaway. Jonathan Bennett looks like he's quarterback one. Caden Salter did not come in uh, and, pl and play all that much, but tight end Bentley Hanshaw, who was one time a BYU tight end, is an interesting deep target. He actually had a big game at the end of the year in their bowl game, but just a player that I think I want to keep an eye on moving forward. Uh, Georgia Tech, they hired the an offensive analyst from Georgia who is probably going to run a very similar system to Todd Monkins. I'm thinking Zach Pryor is still going to be the guy. He flashed well as a true freshman last year. But Malik Rutherford is the guy I think that you want to pay attention to. He's really good all spring, and he was really good in this game as well. Explosive downfield. Christian Leary also made it a couple of nice plays. But again, Malik Rutherford is the, a guy I think you want to target here. An offense that I think we maybe weren't high enough on, or I'm at least coming around on, is Old Dominion. They have the potential to be sneaky good with Kevin Decker coming in from Fordham here into spread offense. They run very, very quickly. Uh, don't know who the quarterback is going to be because Hayden Wolf entered the transfer portal, I believe, right before the spring game. It's going to be Grant Wilson or uh, Jack Shields. Either one is probably going to have some sort of fantasy value. Replacing... Allie Jennings, who transferred out of the program, might be Amarian Granger, who had a big day as well. Very interesting player because he's the most experienced one in that wide receiver room, but that's an offense that is going to throw probably a lot. Uh, Western Michigan, not a whole lot going on there. You know, they have a pretty big overhaul, but Zahir Abdus-Salam was the big winner here. He's the RB1. They talk about him as if he's going to be a feature back. He's on the smaller side the same way that Sean Tyler was for them last year but a player who they've talked a lot about. They did have a transfer into the program um, running back from Kent State. I'm not really all that worried about it, to be totally honest. I think the way they've talked about him all spring has been fantastic. Wake Forest, and this is probably one of the more encouraging spring games and a lot to take away from. Mitch Griffiths is the guy. Uh, I think that you can start treating him as a borderline quarterback too, or maybe even higher. Really productive game. Donovan Green played 15 snaps over 100 yards. Wesley Grimes had a big day. I think he's in that wide receiver 3-4 rotation, but Jamal Banks is, is definitely the guy that you want to be targeting on the outside, and I think Donovan Green is probably the wide receiver 2 there. Both absolutely draft-worthy. Uh, heading over to Arizona State, Jalen Conyers, hype train, out of control still. I, I think that you know it's coming at a billion miles per hour. This dude is just lighting up spring. It's crazy. Elijah Badger looked good again. 
Xavier Galori, I believe that's how you pronounce it, who is a uh, FCS transfer, they've talked about him being the best player all spring. So I, I'm pretty interested to see how his role expands as well. And then Cameron Scadabo, who is also an FCS transfer from Sacramento State, flashed big time at running back. I think he could be the wider, the RB1 there and really pay off big time. Uh, heading down to one of our favorite offenses for receiver production, Arkansas State, Corey Rucker is back. I think you start treating him as a legitimate fantasy option, uh, which is exciting. They also have Jeff Foreman there. Jackson Daly looks like he's going to be the quarterback and had a pretty good day, in, in my opinion. Um, a couple other small notes to, to keep an eye on. Fresno State, Malik Sherrod is the next Jordan Mims, Ronnie Rivers. I think we can almost lock that in with Je Jeff Tepford remaining there. He had a receiving touchdown and a few catches. He's already known a known commodity on the ground. Exciting player. Uh I think Mikey Keene's going to be the quarterback one. I think the wide receiver room is still kind of in flux. A lot of people like Josiah Freeman. He didn't have a super strong day, but he had been talked about all spring. Uh, one of my favorite players, probably in the country, is playing at Cal right now. And that is Sam Jackson, who had a fantastic day for the Bears. Dual third upside. The first throw of the day, he connected downfield 25 yards. Excellent, excellent throw. Perfect touch, perfect ball placement. I think he's he could be a really exciting player. A guy that we really liked, honestly, coming out of TCU last year. Uh, I'll end it with South Carolina because, you know, South Carolina guy. Spencer Outler looked good. Juice Wells looked good. Trey Knox looked honestly really good. I think he's going to be a focal point of the offense at tight end. But Lenora Sellers really stole the day. He was fantastic. He's legit. His athleticism is legit. His size He's already 220. Staff cannot stop raving about him. I think there's a lot of exciting things coming out of Carolina right now. All right. Thank you, Chris. A lot of really good notes in there. A lot of stuff that you're not going to see a ton of other places. Some of that nitty gritty first guy in, last guy out. Really just grinder news there from Chris Moxley. So thank you, Chris. All right. Before... We get into a couple other things here today, Colin. We've got two freshman profiles we're going to talk real quickly about, in our opinions, the best values currently on the board in C2C drafts. Head over to campus2canton.com, guys, our parent website. A ton of really, really good and useful tools, content, and articles all happening over there every single day. Whether you're looking at recruiting rankings, whether you're looking at um, you know CFF, C2C, Devi, we've got a ton of tools for you guys to dive into that can help you with all of those things. Go pre-order a copy of our Devi guide. That comes out May 1st. We have over 200 profiles written at this point and will be, I believe, over 250 when the final uh, product comes out. So go check that out. $20 for anybody buying it separately. If you have a yearly scholarship or nil membership or you're one of our grandfather members from back before we upgraded the site shout out to all those folks that remember the good old days you get a choice of one guide free with your membership so if you choose the debbie guide that you can get that uh with those as well and the nil guys obviously get all of our guides along with their membership so go check that out at c2c.com and then if you're an nil member we are opening up our one-on-one -on -one meetings breaking down as many rosters as we can fit into an hour. We have a Google form set up. It's pinned in the Discord and the NIL chat. If you need it again, reach out to us. We'll shoot it over to you. We're going to get start reaching out to you guys to get those things scheduled. And um, we, uh, yeah, those invites will be going out. So uh, pay attention to your inboxes. We will start reaching out today. 
Colin, I want to ask you before we do our freshman profiles, we've got two high-end wide receivers that we're going to discuss here today. Who's the best value right now in C2C drafts? Man, um, so I'm going to just make one note here and then nope. we'll move nope. off of him. Nope. He's not the he's not my answer, but I just want to say that if Jackson Dart starts this year for uh I'm assuming he will for, for Ole Miss, he has a potential to be really good for CFF. He yeah, had a hundred okay. he had 128 carries last year, 600 yards rushing, and one touchdown. Okay. That should correct itself. So we should see some more rushing touchdowns. And he averaged 17 fantasy points per game last year. So I just want to say that he has a potential to be good for CFF. But like my answer is uh, an old favorite of mine who's starting to pop up uh, again. Ooh, and okay. it's Elijah nothing Badger. Like, nothing like old love, you know? Just Yeah. Just Elijah hooked. Badger. Just keep going wow. back. The guy, the guy with the extra H in his name. Yes. Yes. Elijah Ha badger um look he he had a really nice year last year uh 70 catches 866 yards seven touchdowns and that was on a pretty bad arizona state team uh in comes kenny dillingham in comes what we're assuming is going to be an upgrade in uh in quarterback too given how bad that room was last year drew pine looks fine um you know so I, I think the offense is going to be fine there, but Elijah Badger, I, I think is going to operate as the wide receiver one in that offense this year. Uh, Kenny Dillingham does spread it around a little bit, but I, I, I really think Elijah Badger is going to have a nice year again this year. And then I think he's going to go pro and he has the profile of a guy that I think the NFL is going to like as a late day two guy, you know, and that's, I know that's a running joke for me. Uh, this is. guy get late day two draft capital, but I really believe it with Elijah Badger. I mean, he's extremely athletic. Uh, he's got pretty decent size. He's six one. He's like one ninety. Um, I think he's very versatile. So I, I, I just don't. I don't think he's getting quite enough love yet. I've seen some people start talking about him, so his value is probably going to start rising. But I think he's a Devi guy, and I think he'll be a option for you for your CFF squad that you'll be able to start some weeks, especially at the flex. I like it. I like it. Um... Where, if you were to send a draft today, where would you want to take him? Like overall? Um, so I am definitely significantly higher on him than anybody else is uh-huh. ever at our site. I have him as my wide receiver 28 in my C2C rankings. He's just behind uh, Isaiah Bond. It's just ahead of Mario Williams for me, which actually I feel like maybe I should drop Mario Williams a little bit. I feel like yeah, that's a little I, high. I, every time I go in my wide receiver rankings, I drop him like two spots. Yeah, which is not that, great. If I feel like the guy that I do that with by the end of the offseason, I'm, I'm sitting there feeling like, why didn't I just drop this guy like 40 spots three months ago? And I would have avoided all this headache. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I. OK, so so he's but he's right behind Isaiah Bond for me. Um, So I, I wide receiver 28. I don't know, probably looking at him in. I would probably be willing to take him in rounds like six. Um, I don't think you're going to have to actually do that. I don't think most people are up there. You could probably get him two rounds later. You could probably get him in round eight, and that's a pretty comfortable range for him. So I would take him a little earlier than that. Start looking at him in round six. Won't let him fall past round eight. Fair enough. I think 
to get into my guy here, the concept of sleepers is really intriguing because obviously the money move is finding a guy in round 40 that ends up being really good. And all of a sudden you gained like this just crap ton of value and you're really, really happy about the guy that you added. But I think the real money moves are the guys that you get in rounds like three through six that probably should have been a, a first or second round guy. And the next offseason mm-hmm. they go in that range because you're you're avoiding probably some some pretty big busts in that range, whereas the, the, the opportunity cost is very minimal late. So while I think obviously there's a lot to gain from those guys, and I think we talk a lot about taking an Omar, uh, Omari Evans, for instance, in round 36 or something, and maybe right. it turns out to be really good and you're really happy about that. But I think the rounds that I really like to look at are kind of those rounds three through six. I think there's there's some some really nice values to be found there. And what was my talk last offseason? The guys that I really liked in that range, late second was Marvin Harrison Jr., late third was Emek Buka, and late fourth was Luther Burton. All of those guys have probably gained at least a round, if not more, of value because I think they just were so good and so clearly underpriced in that range. So we're going back to that well again for my answer here today. And I actually have a couple of guys that I okay. think are undervalued that I want to toss out. First up here, I think Justice Haynes is a little undervalued. He was okay. my RB3 in the class. He's still probably my RB3, but if I like he he was like a, a very, very, very top of tier two guy. And now I think if I if you asked me, he would be in my tier one. And I wouldn't have any problem taking him over the other running backs in the class if it came to it in a draft, just because I think those guys were all so close initially that I'm not married to any of them, and I'm willing to admit my RB3 should have been my RB1 or whatever. I, I'm not necessarily there yet, but I think Haynes has made a lot of noise in camp there for Alabama. He's go, currently going off the board as the 46th overall player in our ADP and some of the guys that he goes around, Trey Benson, Trevante Citizen, Devontae Walker, Damian Martinez, Jatavian Sanderson, Ja'Cory Brooks. He's sandwiched between those guys. Chris Marshall, Devin Neal, Jadon Blue. I, I think he's better than all of those guys. I, I would take him probably 8 to 10 spots ahead of that. I would take him, guys that go ahead of him, that I would just no-brainer take him over. Rasheen Ali, Malik Neighbors, Bo Collins, Kid Klubnik. Probably take him over Matthew Golden. These are all players that I just think slam dunk. Uh, I would go with him over, and I, I would sleep really well at night. Staying in that range, Connor Wegman at, at Texas A&M is another guy. We have him right now as the 37th player over the, off the board. And I have a really hard time arguing that he shouldn't go higher when you've got some questionable wide receiver profiles going ahead of him. A guy like Ted McMillan, again, Bo Collins, Brandon Ennis, Xavier Worthy. I, I think he should be going ahead of all those guys. Kyle McCord is 25th off the board, and I, I don't I don't see a, a significant difference in quality between them. In fact, I think Wegman is a better player. Ohio State's offense is obviously more productive for quarterback play, so I get it, but I think – I, I I think he's just a better player. So Wegman, I I think is a little too cheap, and I'm not I'm even the guy that really is avoiding quarterbacks early. But I, I do think that he should be bumped up uh, considerably there. And then the third guy, I'm actually going to save because he is my freshman profile for the night. Oh, okay, but he is okay. stone cold, stone cold, the best value in drafts right now. So stay tuned for a few minutes. Wade through what Colin's going to say. I feel like you have. It. I feel like your stone cold best values, like the past two years, have been 
this exact same profile. Shut up. Wait, really? I'm not going to say it. Well, we can get to it when we uh, we'll address Inter it. I'm, I'm interested to see why you say that because I I I don't think so. But I, I'm uh, okay, I, you'll hear why I say it anyway. Okay. We'll move into yeah the give, freshman give profile. Freshman profile. Yeah, do it. Uh, and my freshman profile is wide receiver Jurion Dickey headed to Oregon. He is a five star. He's the number two wide receiver in the class, depending on the site that you're looking at. Um, but he is the traditional alpha wide receiver, 6'3", 210 pounds, old school wide receiver. Uh, he's aggressive with the ball in the air. He's big. He uses his frame really well. Um, so he's going to be a true weapon on the outside there, I think. Um, he is... He's not that he doesn't fit the mold of the modern wide receiver who's super athletic and very like versatile. You can move them all around the formation. That's not going to be Dickie. Dickie is truly outside. You're not going to use him in a variety of ways. You're not going to use him on jet sweeps or anything like that. But Dickie does win in the intermediate and deep area as well. So it's not like he's just a go ball, jump ball type of guy, guy you throw it up to in the red zone. He can win in the intermediate area. But he is going to be a red zone threat. He high points the ball well, snares the ball away from his frame really well. I like his hands. He's very physical. Um, and he's also a violent blocker. Like he likes to bury defenders, which I, I love to see. He's just, he's tenacious. Uh, but like I said, he is limited in his versatility. I also think he's limited as an athlete. Uh, he's got pretty good long speed, uh, but he's a strider as a runner. So, it needs he needs it needs to be some build up speed. It's not very sudden. It's not super agile. Doesn't change directions particularly well. So he's going to need to work on that. I think he does have pretty solid footwork though. So I don't think he's going to be hampered too dramatically as a route runner. Like I think he will be able to develop into a guy who's fine. Um, but I also think he you know he attacks DBs really well. Um, he knows how to use leverage. So. I think he's going to be able to separate with his body. I think he's going to be able to get to a point where he can create with his some mind, with his yes. soul. Yes, <laughs> I think he'll be able to see where I thought you were going with that. <laughs> I think he'll be able to get to a point where he can also separate within uh, the route, at least to some extent. Um, so, if he can improve that athleticism a little bit, improve his route running. Uh, I think he could be really good. I think he has one of the highest ceilings in this class, just as a traditional alpha. What What do you think of the um, AJ Brown comps? Like, no, no, okay. no. Who comps him to AJ that Brown? Around, so that's why that's why I want to ask. I I haven't seen that. I don't see AJ Brown with him. He's not nearly as athletic. Uh, AJ Brown. AJ Brown, you can use him in a number of different ways. Uh, and Dickie's just not that versatile. That's not a bad thing. Do you think you could get there or no? No, I think he's more in like, and I, I, I hate comps, but I think he's more in like a Des Bryant mold. Like, I think that's more what he is. That's really interesting to me. So I'm going to, because I, I, you know, I love talking wide receivers. Yeah. And I, I kind of use this phrase. I use it a lot with Dane Key because I think that's kind of how he is. He's he's on the spectrum. It kind of Mike Williams is probably another guy in the spectrum. Okay. When I, I refer to these guys as kind of like these linear 
springy guys, which means like they're going to work probably downfield. And if it's not downfield, it's going to be something that doesn't require a ton of route nuance. They're probably mm-hmm. going to win a fair amount of the time at the catch point. They're going to just kind of rely on their frame to win. And they, to varying degrees, depending on where you are on the spectrum, are more or less explosive based on the their athletic traits in those roles. Do you think that's kind of where he fits in? Yeah, I think that's absolutely where he's at right now. Um, like I said, I think he shows some good footwork. I think he shows, um, a nuance within his route. Like I think he attacks leverage pretty well. Um, he uses some fakes in his routes too, um, to catch defenders off guard. So I think he can develop as a route runner where he can be, a, he can fit that mold that you described there as more of like a linear guy, but I think he can't, can develop into a, somebody who can also win within the route, um, which is kind of why I was going a little more the Des Bryant route. But as he is right now, yeah, I completely agree. That's that's where he's at. Okay. Okay. Um, so my guy is, that I chose here is Carnell Tate, who was also the stone cold best value in drafts today. And I think this is going to shift a lot because there's been a lot of noise around him this yeah, spring originally. It's definitely going to shift. Yeah. My wide receiver six coming into camp. And that's on C2C's website. Uh, You can go look at what all of our rankings were prior to spring. Because that's when we freeze them. There's no more adjustments after that for recruiting. Yes. Tibbs in wide receiver six. He's now up to my wide receiver four. I bumped him over Dickey, who was five. And I bumped him over his his future teammate here, Brandon Ennis, who's not on campus yet at Ohio State, but was my wide receiver four initially. So so Tate has bumped up into that range. He's 6'2", 180. And that, that looks about right. Um, he can do a little bit of everything, which I think you worry about some of these guys coming out of high school who you can quote unquote, do a little bit of everything, because that usually means that they're probably not amazing at any one skill. There are very few guys that are like, I like, I think Dante cook is, can do a little bit of everything. I think he's probably top tier at everything or close to it. I didn't quite have Tate in that tier. And I still don't quite have him there where cook is, but I think other than, than cook, I think I could see him performing in pretty much any offensive system. If you ask him to do pretty much anything, if you want him to win short, intermediate, long, you want him to win one of the perimeter, I think you could probably stick him in the slot too, if you needed to. So I think he has all this versatility going for him. I think I, I really like his physical profile, probably a four, five, like low four, five, high four, four kind of guy when all is said and done, which is really, really uh, a good athleticism there. I think there are some things that he's still lacking a little bit, but the fact that he's been so good at Ohio State and he doesn't have those things yet, like our, uh, his release package is very basic at this point. But I think there's a lot of room to grow there, and it sounds like they've said that basically you don't have to tell him how to do something twice. He figures it out after the first time. So things like release package, things like creating a little bit of extra separation at the top of route stems, I think he, he kind of struggled with a little bit in high school from the stuff that I watched, but it seems like he's figuring that out. He's been crushing it in, in camp there, quite frankly. He needs to go into the analysis at this point. Caught that long touchdown in their spring game. He's kind of Rashad Bateman-ish. Oh, but I think he's a little more okay. explosive downfield. But I think that's kind of the category he falls into. So I, I, I he's, go, he's in the 70s in our ADP right now. And that's just way, way too low. He should be a top three or four round pick, quite frankly. Yeah. I would take him over a ton of wide receivers. I bumped him up. I believe he's top 10 or close to it. 
on C2C and my Debbie rankings. I, I, I keep both of them separately on the website. I, I, I'm all in here at this point, actually. Like, Ohio State is not necessarily known for pumping guys up that turn out to stink. Quite frankly, this guy shows up day one and is crushing it. I think before long, he's going to be the wide receiver four there, which basically means you're just waiting for Julian Fleming to pull up lane, <laughs> and then he's in there. I I think the sky's the limit here. I think if you're buying him now, you're getting on the ground floor. I've moved him up to the point where like I'm top 15, 16 picks and supplemental drafts. He has to be in there. I would take him in the first round, probably late first round. I'm going to be super aggressive acquiring him all offseason. I've, I've done one supplemental draft call and we're mm-hmm. in together. We've talked about it a little bit on the show. It's an auction. It's like a bankroll league. It's kind of got some complicated settings. I, I went out and I was very aggressive and I got Tate. And you like you were aggressive, air quotes, but that was a really good receiver. bargain. Yes, was it was upset. a very, it was a really good value. I got him like for half the price of Zach Branch and and and, and some of these other Gajante Cook. I, I I I'm all in. I, I really really am all in. I, I hate to give away my draft strategy on this podcast because all you assholes are in my leagues and you listen to this, <laughs> but I, I really think that Let's I'm not insult the listeners. They know I love them. <laughs> I'm going to be aggressive in getting him this year. I just am. Um, so what I was saying with the, I feel like he fits the profile of the guys you've been pumping up the past couple of years, Ohio State's wide receiver that's getting hype, JSN, uh, Ameka Egbuka, Marvin okay. Harrison. I thought, see, I thought you were going toward the um, Lorenzo Styles and oh, no, Wally no, no, side no. of thing, Traylon Burks. Those have been my last three yeah. like guys that have been in college, and I, I like. Yeah, no, the guys. Year too. You you said last year, I'm pretty sure it I don't remember was it Egbuka or Marvin Harrison Jr. that you said I, is stone cold the best value. I tweeted in like February, Marvin Harrison is just the stupid stone yeah. cold best value. Okay. And then he moved up into the like the mid second round. And I was like, okay, yeah. now Mac Egbuka is stone cold. Yeah, okay. Best value. So I was right. And then you were and hyping you up, moved up a little bit, like before but, that too. Like so I don't know. Let's just target the Ohio State wide receiver that the staff is hyping hyping up. Like, let's not overcomplicate this. There are worse strategies out there. Yeah. You know, so I, I absolutely agree. I think he's on a rocket ship trajectory right now, and there's absolutely no reason he should go any later than the fourth round. And if you want to take him in the third, no qualms here. I was thinking about this today. Like, I'm just thinking about, like, in my mind, like I'm always kind of thinking about how can I shape rosters over the next couple of years, especially through supplemental drafts and like what 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 are some combos that I can kind of acquire with reasonable reasonable prices. Like uh, yeah, you could pull that off and, and it you know it, it's not crazy. If I could, and I think there are some leagues where I think I can pull it off in the next couple of years, if I can have a couple of leagues where my wide receiver core has like three of Carnell Tate, John Tate Cook. And then for next year, Micah Hudson and Jeremiah Smith, who are the top, my two top two guys in 2024. Jeremiah Smith's going to Ohio State already, and he's not going to decommit. He's laughed at it, people yeah. that asked him to do that. And then Hudson, who hasn't declared anywhere yet, but he's my highest graded player in the past four classes. He's really wow. freaking good. Yes, he's really good. He's really, really good. Stone Cold, like Justin Blackman, I've talked about this on the show before. He's yeah. the best college wide receiver I've ever watched in my life. He's on that plane he's very very good i think there's a chance you can get like three of those guys on rosters and that is going to be my goal if i can get like three of those guys in any sort of combination 
and I can kind of configure it because Hudson's looking at like Texas, Ohio State. He's also kind of looking at like Texas Tech. I'd be fine with him going there. It wouldn't really matter for his value. But like that's kind of I'm already thinking about like how can I piece together these guys and and Tate is firmly in that discussion for me because you can get him early second right now. Like if I can go, you know, take Jonte with a 107 or something and trade up and grab Tate, then I'm walking out of this draft super happy about it. Yeah. Colin doesn't have anything. I just blew his mind. That was that was perfect. We have no response. That's how you do it. That's the way you debate. Which, sidebar, I've always said that when you guys had your the old Debbie debate intro mm -hmm. and you used the one clip from old school, mm -hmm. I was like, why do you not use that one? It's called Debbie debate. Like, that's the way you do it. That's how you debate. That should have been in there. Egregious, egregious oversight. Y you know, you 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 own a decent chunk of the company Colin. you can go to somebody and ask them about that that's that's I, not I above your pay grade by any stretch. i have i i've done it yeah and, and the what person was, that i asked was his name rhymes with brat mooning but um brat mooning. <laughs> um he was like i think he said yeah you're right and then just nothing ever happened wow you really should have followed up on that maybe with an email per my last email yeah i should have yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for tonight's show, guys. Make sure you're checking out everything on the C2C podcast feed. That means Chasing the Natty on Mondays. Campus Life, this show, Monday nights, Tuesday mornings, whenever you're awake, you go check it out. <laughs> Wednesdays, Back to Debbie. Thursdays, Debbie Debate. Fridays, Canton Bound. And Future Freshman's about to be back on the menu. And I'm going to be on in the next week or two. So pay attention to that. We've got the Daily Draft Report, guys. We're coming down the home stretch with it. Go ahead and check out if you have a specific pro, um, prospect that you want to hear more about. Dwight has a new guest on for every single episode. It's quite the endeavor. It gets all these people together to record a 10 to 15 minute discussion. I did uh, a show this year. Colin, you did one, right, as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did Michael Mayer. That's what I thought. Yeah. So yeah, it's truly one of the most impressive undertakings in the fantasy space, honestly, where he just gets so many different guests so many smart people um he I, he had connor rogers on i think right from i believe so he's had yeah. he's had john macri on i believe he, yeah he's, he's had a bunch of you know people that you know names that you know and then he, yeah he gets some smaller time analysts as well because yeah. let's be honest we talked about this on the show like twitter followers don't mean nothing yeah in that space i'd tell you that agreed yeah so yeah it's 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 really impressive the way he gets so many different guests, brings everybody together, keeps this thing going the whole way through draft cycle, offense, defense, everybody. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a great listen. And it's quick hitting, too. It's like 15 yeah, minutes. They're so easy. That's usually when I'm kind of waking up in the morning and I've got my cup of coffee and it's still a little too hot to drink. That's what I put on. <laughs> and I'm like responding to like some stupid email. I got it at like 11 o'clock last night from some client in Germany. And I'm like, just, just go away. That, that's that's what I do. So um, a, a good kickoff show to my day. The official also comes out on podcast form. And mm -hmm. this week they're talking some 2024 commitments. Yes, we're already talking class of 2024. So go ahead, check that out as well. We will be back later this week with Canton Bound. Until next time, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good one.